Hey, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of the Backstory on Marketing and AI. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the newly released book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. And you can find out more information on this book at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. There is so much going on today in marketing and AI, and especially as AI and especially generative AI exploded onto the scene here in the beginning of the year. Marketers are learning more and more about how to take advantage of it and build creative solutions that can really differentiate their brands. Whether you're a small or a large marketer, getting AI to work for them can be a great differentiator in the market. Today, I'm interviewing Peter Voss. He's the founder, CEO, and chief scientist at AGI Innovations and IGO.ai. So let me tell you a little bit about Peter. He is a pioneer in AI who, con who coined the term artificial general intelligence. He is the CEO and chief scientist at IGO.ai. And for the past 15 years, Peter Voss and his team at IGO have been perfecting an industry-disruptive, highly intelligent, and hyper-personalized chatbot with a brain for large enterprise customers. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. So, uh, so tell us uh, how. What is your backstory on how you got involved in marketing and AI, and uh, and then how did you get to where you are today? Well, uh, I'll try to keep it brief, but I. I started out as an electronics engineer, uh, started my own electronics company, and then fell in love with software. So my company turned into a software company. I developed an ERP package, a comprehensive ERP package for small to medium-sized businesses. And that company was quite successful, went from the garage to 400 people and did an IPO. So that was very exciting. It's when I exited that company that uh, I started thinking, well, what big project do I want to tackle next? And uh, it occurred to me that software really is quite stupid. <laughs> you know, if the programmer <laughs> doesn't think of something, it'll just crash. It doesn't have common sense and it doesn't really learn. So how can we fix it? How can we build intelligent software? And so I went on a journey of uh, discovering or really learning about what intelligence is all about, what human level intelligence, you know, how do children learn, how does our intelligence differ from animals, what do IQ tests measure, and, you know, all the work that had been done in the field of artificial intelligence. And it's a culmination of that, um, the, the, the studies um, really brought me to a point to start building um, a, an artificial brain, uh, you know, to build a system that can think, learn, and reason more the way humans do. And that's what's been consuming me for the last uh, 20 years. So uh, it's been alternating between R&D, developing the technology, and then commercializing it. Um, so that's really how I got to where yeah. we are today. Yeah, fascinating. I, I hate to say it. I was also in my earlier life an electrical engineer. So uh, and now I'm in marketing and business consulting and analytics a little bit as well, of course, on the consulting side. And uh, so fantastic. So tell us about uh, iGo.ai, your company. Right. So we call it a chatbot with a brain. Now, um, 
basically the distinction is that all the other thousands of different chatbots that are out there don't have a brain. Um, the way they operate is actually pretty um, old technology. It's essentially a categorizer that, you know, you say something like blah, 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 weather, and oh, okay, we'll trigger the weather uh, routine. Or, but then you could also say, I hate Uber, don't ever give me Uber again, and I'll probably still trigger the Uber app. And then there's kind of a flowchart type program where it will ask you, where do you want to go? How many people are going? And do you want Uber X? Um, so that's pretty much the technology that uh, most chatbots or you know, the majority of chatbots out there are. And this is what makes them so frustrating because they don't um, take you know, context into account what you said earlier in the conversation. You can't easily break out of that flowchart program and they really don't have deep understanding uh, or, or reasoning, common sense reasoning. So our approach is to to have this artificial brain or cognitive engine that has short-term memory. It remembers what you said earlier in the conversation. It has long-term memory. It remembers what you said in prior conversations. And it uses context and reasoning to have a much deeper understanding. It allows you to you know, jump from one topic to another uh, seamlessly. And so, you know, that that gives us, a, 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 it creates a much better customer experience and also allows us to have a much higher completion rate as far as automation goes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know sometimes, um, uh, you know, it's easy to get frustrated with chatbots. Quite often the chatbot is trying to not give you the answer. And I don't know. Uh, about you, but it, it, the reason why I'm going to the chatbot is I want to get a very specific answer, and and the chatbots are really there to give you a very generalized answer. And so, you know, then it's really a a trick of how to do the right prompt to get it to finally get you to the uh, you know, would you like to speak to a representative? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So that that sounds like really the new revolution in uh, in in uh, in in changing the way enterprise uh, digital assistance work. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So, you know, one one of our big clients is 1-800-Flowers group of companies, uh, Harry and David and Popcorn Factory and so on. And they were looking for a hyper-personalized concierge type uh, assistant. You know, the, the founders of the company said, we've been looking to be able to provide the kind of service we, we did when we started our company and we had one one store and we knew our customers, you know, we knew who they buy flowers for and, and on for what occasions so, and, and so on. And they, they tried uh, various um, technologies, well-known technologies to, to, to do this and they just, it wasn't satisfactory at all. And, um, so they, they contacted us, they actually listened to a podcast where I explained this uh, some, some years ago, and they contacted us and we implemented the system where you really have this personalized, hyper-personalized concierge that remembers uh, who you buy presents for and for what occasion, what kind of presents, what your relationship is to them. So you have a, a much, much better experience. In fact, in many cases, the experience will be far superior to what a human can offer because uh, the human operator won't remember that they spoke to you half an hour ago when you were calling about an order or something. Um, and, you know, often there's a wait time and the quality of, you know, 
uh, quality of training may not be that consistent. Then the other problem is, of course, if you have Mother's Day and Valentine's Day, we have this massive explosion of demand. Mm. And, uh, you know, to, to meet that. So we, we can offer this, uh, you know, very high level of automation uh, at, and at um, very high quality. And we see this as the future, having this hyper-personalized relationship that obviously drives loyalty and, you know, the amount of money that people will end up spending with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting that you compare the quality of uh you know this 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 really important customer service uh function uh you know whether it's a chatbot versus then uh you know an actual live human on on the side uh, on the other side and um you know and and that i could see uh it really being something that can be even offer better value than the the human uh, because it does remember, like you said, it does remember, you know, past conversations. Whereas if I were to, you know, to call in or get a, you know, an agent, they may or may not have access to what we talked about in the past. And then not only that, they still have to then read what may have happened and they may not be able to read very quickly. So that makes a lot of sense. So you talk about the uh, the trifecta of pain uh, for call centers. Uh, what are What is that? What do you what do you mean by that? Well, yes, it's especially post-COVID, it's become really, really hard for companies to find staff and uh, to train them and to retain them. So those are kind of the, the, the three issues. You know, we, we hear that uh, the average time that, that, that people stay in, uh, on, on the job is, is some ridiculous number of like one and a half months or something. You know, obviously Oof. a lot of people say, well, okay, let me try that. But after a few days, they say, well, forget it. This is not for me. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's a real challenge for call centers to, you know, get get people, the training overhead and uh, the quality, you know, the sort of inconsistent quality that they have and then, and then to keep, keep people. So the right kind of automation, you know, if you have intelligent enough con um, um, automation and it's properly implemented, can really um, overcome this this problem. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, and I didn't realize that there, you know, I, it, that you could have that much turnover uh, a month and a half. In a month and a half, you barely know anything uh, about the yeah. company. So if you have a, a complex business or uh, where you have to really, you know, be able to get information from maybe multiple sources, uh, that would be... Uh, you know that that just makes the whole problem almost impossible to solve so uh very interesting yeah thank you for that so then uh, how do you see this evolving what do you see as the kind of the future of customer experience and engagement well we we see that more and more enterprise companies will um, realize that this technology is available and that you can really uh, use automation to not only save money so that your CFO will love it, but your customers will love it, that they actually end up getting better service. I mean, we all hate it when we have to wait uh, wait on, on the line, you know, to, to get a response from somebody when, when you're calling in. And then, you know, the, the awful thing of being shunted from one department to another, mm -hmm. you have to tell your whole story again. And, you know, they don't have access to your records and, and stuff like that. So um, it's really the technology does exist now 
to provide this this much better service, but it's not yet you know widely uh, widely known. So that has to be the future. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, and uh, I don't know. I thought we were just uh, supposed to learn to love that hold music. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it uh you know you listen to it and just recently i was on i must have been on 20 30 minutes and that music certainly gets to be pretty bad after a while wow so wow. uh yeah but, you know, there's also the issue of uh, a shift in demographics you know it, uh, it used to be that people a because the technology wasn't that good but also people just inherently said oh i want to talk to a human but the younger generation doesn't want to talk to a human, actually. They just want to, you know, ideally text. They don't even want to call and get stuff done. And we're finding that more and more, even in the older generation, it's just a, a, a matter of saying, I just want to get stuff done. I don't want to shoot the breeze with somebody. Um, you know, just, you know, get uh, change my order or cancel mm. or place an order or cancel my account or, what you know, whatever it might be. Uh, might be and you just want to get stuff done yeah and that's it's interesting um uh i know my mom uh you know she would she'd want to call up and uh you know actually speak to somebody and now you know to your point you know gen z's i guess millennials and and even even me i i i would prefer the chatbot because uh, you're right it's um you know even if even if you have to wait for an answer if it takes 30 seconds to get an answer it's the ability to then do something else while you're waiting for an answer as opposed to sitting there and hold and waiting for somebody to come on and then uh i so the i could see where the chat if it's really intelligent it could it could make a you know a huge difference in in getting getting something and having a a, a good experience with that so how do you how do you see though like the ultimate chatbot um, and how that kind of helps you to think about, you know, the, the brain and how the brain works and what, what is uh, really intelligence. Yes. You know, just one uh, quick comment on what you said is when, when you say on the chat, you might, may have to wait a little bit before you get a response. The, the main reason for that would be that a lot of chatbots still have a human in them. You may not know <laughs> it because uh, what call centers try to do is they try to reduce costs by moving from phone to chat, where the operator can then uh, actually operate, you know, manage uh, three or four or five chats at the same time. And that's actually the reason why you have the delay. If it's a truly automated intelligence system, there wouldn't be a delay. So uh, again, it's having the right technology. And, you know, what it does require is it does require that what we call a brain you know, a cognitive engine that really can deeply understand what you're talking about, has that memory, has the context, has the ability to reason about it. And uh, it requires what in, on, the, on the AI side is called a cognitive AI approach or cognitive architecture, you know, something that works similar to the way the human mind works that can think. And the current excitement about large language models such as ChatGPT and so on uh, really don't have that ability. They are amazing for generating ideas, you know, like copy or even logos and 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 things like that. Um, but they really cannot. You cannot rely on them to have a, con a structured conversation mm. uh, that needs to incorporate business rules, call up APIs, and so on. 
because you know they make up stuff and they they really aren't reliable so your legal team can't sign off on it your qa your marketing sign really can't sign off on on this kind of uh lack of reliability yeah you bring up the uh, the legal side um it's uh it's kind of interesting one of our clients is in financial services and uh one of the things that they would like to do is is to be very hyper personalized just like you're talking about and uh, but hyper personalization means that you have a not a random set of answers but you have uh you have many many possible answers and right. certainly some that may may have never been seen before so to speak and yeah. because they're in financial services, they need to have a lawyer actually review every piece of material right. and every piece of text and every, you know, at some point it just gets ridiculous in terms of how much they need to see. And uh, have you run into that at all where, where you know, the, the, the legal side kind of uh, inhibits what can actually be implemented? Yes, you always have. You always have that, that kind of issue. And um you know, it doesn't help that, like the European Union, with like the cookies thing and and so on, uh, and you know all of this copy. But uh, actually, chat for well, that is easier because you can kind of scroll through it. Whereas on on a phone interaction, to have to listen to, you know, two minutes worth of disclaimers or something is is really <laughs> frustrating. You know, which some of the medical systems uh, and and yep. legal systems have. So. You know, hopefully again in the future, the direction we, we're hoping things will go is that things, as they become hyper-personalized and you really have that individual concierge service, that there will also be that, you know, you've already agreed to the terms and mm. the system recognizes you. It's not that you making a connection and you're, not, you're an unknown entity so that you can hopefully just go through the legally, you know, once and mm. then you know, be, be a known entity. Um, now, if, if I look further for, uh, forward into the future and, and what we are working on as a company is to continually increase the IQ of our system. And, you know, sometime in the, in the not too distant future, we'll be able to offer uh, personal assistance that can do this kind of stuff for you, where you own that personal assistant and it can deal with whatever, whether it's a human or another AI or even a crappy AI on the other side, um, you know, and and that is ultimately the future where you're offloading this, you know, basically, if my, my AI talk to your AI. <laughs> let my people, let my artificial people talk to your artificial people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. You know, that's really where, what you want, want to do is so you can tell your AI and, and just, <laughs> normal English and it knows all about you already yeah uh, what you want to do and it can do that make an appointment with my doctor for next week you know and okay it'll jump through whatever hoops you need to jump through to get the appointment done how interesting though that makes a lot of sense now that is what I'm looking for um you know the other thing too I, uh, we didn't talk about it uh but uh, as you were talking I uh a thought went through my mind um, you know, there's a, this morning I was at a, a small conference and, um, and it had to do with, uh, how to read, uh, just tracking where and what causes car accidents. And, um, and to me, you know, does an automated driver, can an automated driver 
um, actually do better, do a better job than humans. And the question, though, is uh, in that case, do you expect that automated driver to be perfect? Does it even need to be perfect? Because the humans are so bad, you know, they get drunk, they drive too fast, they've got right. distractions or whatever, whereas the the automated human kind of can, you know, can do that a, a lot better and not have that. Certainly, there's going to be mistakes, you know, there's just little things that go wrong. But uh, do you see, Do you, it, it sounds like you have that same thing going on where the automated chatbot, this uh, artificially intelligent chatbot can actually do a significantly better job than the than the human chatbot. Yes, and, and we're in a much better position here because, you know, if, if we do something wrong, uh, it's not that somebody dies potentially. Mm. You know? And 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 that's that's a problem with self-driving cars. Uh, is even if statistically they are better than humans, uh, it's not really tolerated. You know, there's this liability, and it it may be not rational, but you know that's the way humans think about it. If a, if a self-driving car has an accident and kills somebody, then that's not acceptable. Um, mm. You know, if it makes a mistake. But you know, with with, with customer service, um, you know, it's not the end of the world if uh, if a conversation goes goes a little bit south um and and clearly uh, you can get to a point where on average it's much providing much better service than you know with with all the problems we spoke about in being able to get and train um human operators yeah yeah absolutely you know? yeah. Uh, i mean and another, I... you know another problem of course in the call center is a varying demand you know you 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 either have too many people sitting around a low period or you have too few with ai that can automatically adjust to to the demand you know and like with 1-800 flowers mother's day valentine's day i mean things go go absolutely haywire you know yeah that is fascinating um a long and i i understand that a long long time ago uh we were helping to provide uh computer systems for a uh, for AT&T for answering uh the 800 number and taking orders so they would put out an ad a national ad blitz and then right, within right. seconds you know right. they had this huge huge Rambo. huge spike of yeah. uh of, of you know of demand and then they had right. to have the call the call center people just sitting there trained ready to go when that ad hit and right. you know, and then of course it would hit, and then it would go away, and then hit and go away, and hit and go away, and um, and uh, you know, and being ready for that was just a just a nightmare. It took like apparently it took like twenty seconds. So the ad hits, and within twenty seconds they were totally full up. And uh, but here, you know, I think you're right. You almost have. Uh, I I guess you could tune the capacity so that you have uh, almost unlimited demand if you can somehow scale it up and. You know, and have the uh, have that ability to to be able to answer whatever that demand is. Yes, and in in fact, that's quite doable now. You know, now that most of these systems run on cloud services, uh, you you can scale up very very quickly, and you know, almost unlimited capacity. Hmm. Just, you know, the big cloud providers just can very rapidly uh, you know give you that extra capacity. So that's become a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, and of course they uh, they charge through the nose for that capacity, but uh, nevertheless, if you can if you can uh, 
you know, take care of all of that demand coming in in that very short period of time. That's a that's a right, huge business opportunity. You only have to pay for it when you need it. You know, yeah, my, yeah. my first uh, AI company, we had our own data center and we, you know, the data center, we had to have the equipment for the maximum demand. Mm. And most of the time it was running at, you know, 20%. Yeah. But you had to pay for all of that equipment, whereas now using cloud services, we just pay for what, what is used. Mm. Now, one thing, and this is going to get a little bit off maybe. And so, you know, if you don't, if it doesn't make sense, that's okay. One of the things that I would, you know, so today I can go into chat GPT and I can start, you know, as a conversation, so to speak. And, um, uh, and it can give me results and start to help me to do whatever my task is. Um, who owns today? Who owns that result? So if I'm sitting there providing the prompts, it gives me answers, and I refine my prompts. It gives me answers. Uh, who owns that? Uh, who owns that? Uh, that output there? Yeah, a very, uh, very important question. And uh, the answer is, unless you have a specific arrangement, they own it, and they mm. use it to, to train uh, train the model on an ongoing basis. So uh, large enterprise companies obviously can't deal with that you know i mean you have people doing research on you know pro product development or asking questions mm. you know that might be sensitive um so what large companies offer i know microsoft offers and i'm, I'm sure the others either do already or will soon where you can where they will guarantee that the large language model they provide you the the data will not be used for training but of mm. course, you have to then pay for that. You, it's basically you have your own private uh, mm. large language model, your own private chat GPT uh, type system um, that, you know, will, where the data will not be used, will not be shared. You can use that own data to train if you like, but you have full control over that. Yeah. But the, the general service that even if you pay for it, pay for chat GPT plus or something, you know, they will use the data. Well, so does that mean then that if I put, if I'm, let's say, trying to do some product innovation and I put in, you know, and I have a conversation going, um, that it could potentially be used, my input then could be potentially used by a competitor if they start asking similar questions and um, and somehow then, you know, that yeah. that would be I mean, ingested. It, it, yeah, I mean, it may maybe unlikely but they, they they have tested things and found things exactly like that now that will only happen in the next iteration that is uh, released mm. uh, you know when they retrain the model because what your interactions that you have uh, don't actually go get into the model until they do their next training run mm. and these training runs are incredibly expensive i mean for chat gpt i believe it's north of north of 100 million dollars um, you know, so, but w next time they train it, it will include your conversation. And then if a competitor asks a question that was related to what you said, uh, you know, if you had some idea you were trying to throw around that maybe you want a patent or, you know, new business model, um, absolutely, it, it would then uh, give, <laughs> give that information. Yeah, so basically then as a competitor, then what I need to do is I need to say, okay, my biggest competitor is, let's say, Microsoft. 
and I'm sitting here and I'm Google. I said, so, so tell me all the stuff that Microsoft just entered in the last run. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would work uh, um, because uh, the the language model typically, well, in fact, one of its shortcomings is it typically doesn't know where the information mm. comes from because it's such massive of information, which is is a problem because sometimes it will uh, quote some fact. Uh, supposed fact, you know, with with great confidence, but it's completely uh, made up. And uh, you know, you can't if you and if you ask, well, give me the source of that, it'll actually make up a source. For example, I could say, tell me about uh, the article that Peter Voss wrote about uh, kid, kidney um, disease or something, you know. And it'll promptly tell you the article that I wrote about kidney disease and all that. will give me the reference. It'll give you a reference. Everything completely, utterly bogus. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. So, uh, well, uh, this has been uh, very interesting, Peter, but I do have one last question. And that is, well, actually, um, let, me, let me step back because uh, one of the things we did in the tease uh, we talked about prompt and prompt engineering. So uh, tell us uh, what you mean by that or what, what that's all about and how important that is going to be in the future. Yes. So while, um, you know, large language models like ChatGPT really are not suitable for customer service, other, anything beyond sort of FAQs, you know, where the, the person can kind of say, well, does this make sense? Is this useful or not? Um, you, you really cannot use that technology for it. It's, it's not just not reliable enough, and you can't embed all of the business rules and robust APIs and, and so on. So you need something like a chatbot with a brain to do that. But on the other hand, what what uh, this technology is really really good at is at generating ideas, generating copy, generating images. Now, um, it's really fantastic at that. Now, the trick is, though, to get the best quality, to get the kind of style that you want, of whether it's an image or, or copy, um, you need to prompt the system. You need to tell it what you want in a certain way. And that is quite a skill. And this is basically like a new profession now called prompt engineer or prompt engineering uh, to really understand how the different models how you can get them to perform in the best possible way. You may need to iterate and kind of coax the system into a certain way of responding. Um, and if, you, if you're good at that, then you, know, you can get really very good results. Um, now, you know, as, as, we, as we said, I think the, the, the generic way of using them tends to create sort of pretty boring copy. It has, it's always kind of the same style, which is not terribly exciting. Um, so either through prompt engineering, you can spice that up and make it, a, make it unique, or you could take that copy and then use the skill of the, of the human copywriter uh, to, you know, to edit it and, and put their own sort of spin and flavor uh, in, in that. But it certainly can improve the productivity significantly. So I think anybody in, in that field, uh, working in that field, it, it really pays them to get to know these tools and, and learn how best to use them. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and even, you know, as I've been using it, and I, I don't use it terribly much, but uh, you can, you can tell that the better you put in the prompts and the, the re 
entering of the prompts with slight variations really gets you to a, a much better answer. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, it'll be interesting then. So it, at some point, then my old electrical engineering degree will then re be replaced by a prompt engineering degree. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. I think one of the other interesting things that uh, it's really not quite clear how that's going to play out, but th there is a shift away from search, um, you know, Google search and, and so on. And for, in, in marketing terms, I mean, that could be really, really big. Mm. Uh, if people use um, ChatGPT to get answers uh, or you know similar products uh, rather than search, where's the advertising going to plug in? You know, are, are they are they also going to inject that into ChatGPT? Horrors of horrors! You know, <laughs> <laughs> if you're having a conversation with with that, you're asking a question and say. Oh, you may be interested in this, this product here, you know. Uh, Sponsored link. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that's going to play out. But, you know, if there, there seems to be a, a, a trend, and I think it, it might well accelerate, of people go, going away from search. I, you may have found that yourself, mm. that certain answers you can get quicker, better answers from ChatGPT than, uh, than search. Yeah, that's definitely true. I, and I, you're right. I have seen that. And, uh, but, uh, uh, and I could definitely see that there's maybe some interesting ways to add advertising to, uh, uh, to prompt, uh, you know, to the, to the interface or somehow, but it's going to be very different to your point. It'll be very different than having the sponsored links at the top and then the organic links kind of, you know, underneath right. that. So, uh, yeah, that'll be, uh, because and you know it's funny too because if you think about Google and uh, and Bard, uh, you know as their rendition of their Chat GPT, um, as people then start to move and shift over from Google Search over to Bard, then uh, their revenue, which is their their primary their primary you know reason for being alive, is uh, it could could start to decline, and um, you know they're eating their own grandchildren so to speak. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm sure execs at uh, Google have been scratching their heads over that for a mm. couple of months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, with that, uh, anything else you'd like to mention before I ask you my last question? No, please go ahead. All right. Well, this one's it's a, it's an easy one, but I always like to uh, ask it. Is uh, what what advice? would you give to an up and coming uh, marketer that's interested in getting into marketing and AI? So I'll give a, a, a bit more generic response there. I, I think the, the biggest sort of or one, one of the regrets I have is that I didn't actually get into my own business until I was 25. So if, if you have that kind of mindset, you know, that you entrepreneurial uh, mindset, Really, the sooner you can start, you know, whether it's an intern or a partner or trying something yourself, there's really nothing like jumping in the deep end and uh, getting to know how to, you know, run a business. And nowadays, of course, it's much simpler to, to start your own business from home or whatever, try it, try it out. So um, I, I think that's really important, you know, it's, and it's much more important than having degrees because they tend to be stale, especially as things are moving that fast that 
if if you are actually you know in business you're getting the experience mm. it's current current information you you're dealing with so basically ju just do it you know <laughs> that would be my advice no it's not for everyone but you know if if you're that way inclined just try and work with try and work with somebody uh that can show you the ropes you know mm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, and I appreciate that. That's the uh, the Nike uh, Nike form of entrepreneurialism is just do it, just do it. <laughs> well, fantastic. So, uh, Peter, thank you uh, so much. Uh, so, where can people learn more about you and your business? Uh, very simple. Um, Igo.ai, A-I-G-O dot A-I, and I'm Peter Voss. You can find me on LinkedIn or Peter at Igo.ai. And obviously, any enterprise companies that really want to improve their customer service experience and, you know, have help with their the call center pain point to contact us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate it. And uh, that link is aigo.ai, igo.ai, aigo.ai. And otherwise, to the audience, please stay tuned for other many other videos in this series on the backstory of marketing and AI. And if you can, please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com to download uh, various excerpts of my book. Peter, again, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me.